everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohen. I'm so excited to be back this week. This week's guest is a psychologist. Um, she practices EMDR and a lot of other psychotherapy techniques. And um, she does a lot of trauma therapy. But to break it up, she um, has decided to do some dating coaching, which I think is awesome. <laughs> She's mixing <laughs> mixing fun um, with some seriousness. So um, she has a lot of awesome, awesome, awesome tips for um, both people that are dating right now and then people that are in a relationship right now. Um, and I'm speaking right now as in quarantine, lockdown, COVID times. Um, she talks about date zero, which is a new concept to me. It sounds amazing, which basically being able to video date and um, have a very low key date zero before um, actually setting up a much longer date, which like <laughs> we're in quarantine. It's crazy times. I highly recommend doing that before you meet someone in person. Um, so we talk about all of that. And then of course we talk about being in relationship, um, and how to spend time together and kind of create, create like ritual boundaries to set like, what is zoom for fun? And then what is zoom for work? And then also, um, going on dates. I mean, God, how many times have I heard that advice from therapists and coaches and relationship gurus, but Seriously, like going on dates, maybe like you're already going to dinner anyway, but you're calling it a date to make it feel special. Um, so yeah, that's my guest. Um, as always, I want to give you my update. I had just an incredible week. I know astrologically there's all kinds of crazy shit going on. I can't even keep up you guys. So I'm just like doing me, which is the only thing I can do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've talked a lot about here about being in a, um, real crazy deep romance with myself and it started in February and this week it kind of culminated with what I would like to think of as a, a ceremonial, um, activity, almost like a wedding for myself. So I booked a photo session with a friend, Caitlin Miller. She is phenomenal. I will link her website below. Um, and getting ready for this photo shoot was a lot like getting ready for a wedding. I had to book a nail appointment. I got a, my hair done. I had to pick out my outfit. And instead of, you know, for a wedding where it's like all these traditions tied around it, it was really cool and loose. It was just like, what the fuck do I want? So I was super nervous going into it because I'm a perfectionist and I wanted everything to go real well. And the whole experience was just absolutely phenomenal. I felt so safe and so held and I had so much fun doing the photo shoot. I feel just super solid and like all of the things that I picked out and chose to be there. Um, and it truly felt like, okay, this is the culmination of not the end of my uh, romance with my self romance, but um, it felt like kind of, you know, some proverbial icing on the cake. And so I ended it by coming home and actually recording a podcast interview, which was so fun. It's this one with Antrian. And then I took myself out on a solo date. Actually, it wasn't really truly solo because my dog Frida came with me. 
but it was by myself. And I went out to a restaurant and, and made a promise with myself that I would put my phone down. So I put my phone down and I literally just watched the world go by and sweet, sweet, sweet Frida got to sit there with me and she was being such a good girl. (laughs) And then of course we went for a walk afterwards. Um, and it was phenomenal. Like restaurants are open here in San Francisco. Um, the weather was just so amazing last week. And, um, I haven't taken myself out to dinner by myself in a really, really long time. Whenever I'm alone here in the house, um, I get takeout or I cook food. I don't think about actually sitting in a restaurant alone by myself. And it's a really powerful experience. Um, you just get to be with you and you get to not give a fuck about what other people are thinking of you dining by yourself or, (laughs) or having to keep up a conversation. You get to just be with you. So, um, So yeah, that was my week and holy shit, what a whirlwind romance. (laughs) And I'm so excited to see what happens next. I don't know. Um, So yeah, so thank you everyone that filled out the survey about your feedback for the show. I really, really appreciate it. There's still time. I would love to hear from you. Um, I would love to hear why you're listening to the show, what type of guests you want more of, any feedback on how I can do better. I would really appreciate it. Um, You can visit my website to take the survey. That's sarahcohan.com, S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com. Super simple. And um, without further ado, let's get to the episode. Well, hi, Anne. Thank you so much for being on Lit AF. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited, AF. We've got like, yeah, yes. Thank you. We have like such a good color story going on with our outfits. So just saying any, yeah, it's good. It's good. Anyone who's watching, I highly recommend checking out the video because it looks, we look good. (laughs) We got a shoulder to me. It's good stuff. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So Anne is the first clinical psychologist that I've had on the show. I'm so freaking excited. She's a psychologist and she also specializes in trauma therapy. And then she's also a dating coach. So I love that you're like mixing it up with like tough stuff and like fun stuff. Maybe the mix of the two at all times, who knows? (laughs) Yeah. So I'm so curious. I would love, um, I would love to hear you talk about your journey to becoming a psychologist. Yeah, thanks. Um, Well, you know, I actually got my doctorate pretty young. I think I was like 26. Wow. So so I went kind of straight through. I am. Um, Yeah. Well, I didn't have a choice. (laughs) My parents were like, you are doing this. Whoa. So my parents weren't super happy about me being wanting to pursue psychology. But, you know, I think I was sort of uh, searching to kind of understand my own family. You know, it's like me search. All of us are kind of drawn to kind of what kind of connects to us. And, you know, there's a lot of, my parents are war refugees. My mother is a boat person. So, um, it's no wonder I kind of, uh, became an expert in trauma. And also I was always like, the chatty one, like I always got in trouble for being too talkative. So I was like, I might as well make a living talking. <laughs> I love I that. To listen to, you have to do that too. <laughs> yeah. It's like reciprocal, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so I'm sorry. You described your mom as a boat person. 
Yeah. So she escaped communist Vietnam on a boat, but the first time uh, there was a, a storm. So they actually got caught and she was in communist prison for like, like 10 months, not too long. No big deal. Um, so chill. It was fine. Yeah. <laughs> it was dirty. Um, and she has like stomach issues now from like a bacterial infection she got probably in, in communist prison, but she's fine. Wow. She out, And the second time she uh, escaped and made it. And my parents actually met at a refugee camp in, um, in Japan. Um, she almost drowned, but then a boat saved them and took them to Japan. Yeah. So I can't, whenever I'm like, it's a little too hot today, you know, <laughs> I'm like, all right. I can't. You can't have pain. <laughs> wow. What an incredible story. Your mom sounds like a complete badass. I know she really is. Wow. Okay. So they met in Japan and then how did, how did they end up here? So my mother, um, you know, my mother was like sponsored by, I think a, a church and her family ended up coming in different chunks. Like some of her family um, ended up in a, um, our family ended up in a refugee camp, I think in like Hong Kong, but eventually they landed in San Diego and um, my father came over to be with her too. Cause he was actually studying abroad in Japan. So he was able to kind of escape um, that way. Um, and then my mom was like, all right, I guess we'll get married because I feel bad for you. And even though I have all these options and so they've been together ever since. Wow. What was it like growing up with those parents? That's amazing. They're pretty cute now. I mean, you know, there's been different waves, but like, um, I feel like at one point my parents were going to separate, but they wanted to wait until I was done with grad school. Mm. So they were like sleeping in separate rooms. And then they like, didn't tell me, you know, cause they didn't want to like stress me out. So Asian and then <laughs> they worked it out and, you know, they kind of just like stuck it through. It's kind of amazing. That is wild. What an amazing story. Wow. Okay. So how did you know that you wanted to do it? Well, like I'm guessing you were in college because you clearly just had the fast track to psychology. So what, like what happened in college where you're like, this is it. Do you know what? I actually, you're not really like the options are you can be an attorney or a medical doctor, right? Like that mm. psychologist is not on a list. Maybe you could be an engineer. Those are like the three things you could be. And so I was actually um, pre-law in um, college, but then I had a friend who was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a psychology major. And I was like, oh, I could decide that. And so I ended up being a double <laughs> major. Like psychology was like my fun major. And then, you know, I realized that's actually what I wanted to do. And my parents were not happy about it the entire way through. They, they made me go anyway, but then they just like, didn't know what it means, you know, mm. to talk to someone. And they thought, look, you're Asian. No one's going to want to talk to you. They were worried about racism and all this. But um, eventually when I got my first job, they were like, okay, we're proud of you. Oh which I had never heard before. <laughs> before. Oh my God. Not when I like graduated, not when I, you know, like finished my dissertation, they were finally like proud of me because they were just worried that I, I wouldn't really be able to support myself, you know? Wow. And did you recognize that at the time where you were like, I can't believe that my parents aren't supporting me through this? I mean, it, it like, yeah, at the time it was like hard, but it wasn't, 
it's like, I could understand why, you know, wow. like my, my grandfather used to call me a crazy doctor, like a, a doctor that talks to crazy people because there's just <laughs> no concept of kind of psychology and mental health in Vietnamese culture. I mean, wow. I think that's changing, right? But really? They just like had no idea what I was going to do. Oh my God. A crazy doctor. That's wild. <laughs> I didn't either. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> But this seems fun. <laughs> Let's talk about feelings. <laughs> Let's just talk a little bit. I love that. Oh my God. Wow. What an amazing story. So then um, I asked this because I I like am just now like flipping the script on my parents and being like, I'm not really going to go down this track of doing this job that isn't fulfilling me, but is very secure. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm hearing a lot of like, they're, they're putting all their fears on me. And it's so funny. Cause they listen to this podcast. So I get, I, every time I talk to them, I'm like, ah, now we get to have a conversation about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so interesting that like you were able to, at such a young age, just be like, yeah, that's your fear. And that's not mine. Like if that is exactly what I'm struggling with right now. It's so, and I like, I find that I'm holding things closer to my vest because of it. That you're kind of afraid to kind of tell them. Yeah. Not afraid. I'm just like, I can't deal. Like I can't hear what you're going to respond because my dad wants me to be an event. Um, uh, what's it called? Like a, an event promoter yeah. or like, a the, the, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, some big like event person. And then, um, my mom, I'm not really sure what my mom wants, but like she used to own her own company. So like all of her fears of owning a company are now like coming out in her like feedback towards me. So it's really interesting to like finally be at the head of that and just being like, I respect you. And like, no, thank you. Like not today or maybe today, but like not tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, had and still have a really hard time with that because I'm an only child, you know? So all of the projection is, is onto me in a way. And it feels like a lot of pressure, like the way you're describing, you know, and yet what are you going to do? You've got to just kind of like live your Mm -hmm. own journey and hopefully set a, set some boundaries and know that like, it doesn't like matter, you know, in some ways, whatever happens is going to happen. It's you're going to learn from it or, you know, I didn't know exactly where I was going to be. I had so much fear about opening up my own private practice. You know, every step of the way is like a new thing to be fearful about, but fear is going to come along for the journey, you know? Yeah. Come along. Let's be friends. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's amazing. Um, okay. So you use psychotherapy in your practice. I'm so curious why you chose to use this in your practice and what are like the benefits? So psychotherapy is pretty broad and there's all sorts of fancy techniques and um, types of therapies that have a lot of letters like ACT and DBT and CBT. They're just like, you know, and there's a lot of overlap, but I really do think like the most important part of therapy is like your relationship with the client, you Mm -hmm. know, because a lot gets kind of projected onto you, just like how our parents project onto us and et cetera we project onto our relationships, like that happens in the room. And so I think that's kind of the piece that matters the most. And the research supports that, right? Mm. That It kind of doesn't matter the technique that you use. Mm-hmm. What matters is the relationship. Mm, I love that. That's amazing. So what, um, 
like what acronym <laughs> technique do you use? <laughs> I've never heard of these acronyms. So <laughs> well, full disclosure. Heard, there's EMDR. There's like, yes, you've heard EMDR. Yeah. Yes. So I'm also EMDR trained. That's one, especially for trauma, but it works for a lot of different things. So I kind of just like, you know, use it all depending on the client. Like I kind of really tailor to what's going on. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. That's awesome. And then, um, you're so the relationship with your client. I'm so curious, like, how do you foster that with boundaries? <laughs> I know it's, it's a good question. Cause you know, you certainly meet someone where you're like, Hmm, I feel like we could be friends. Totally. <laughs> you know, like if I wasn't your therapist, we would be friends. Um, <laughs> the whole point is that there are boundaries. The whole point mm. is that the sacred space where, you know, I'm not going to tell anyone by law, I can't tell anyone about, you know, the things that we're talking about. Um, so, you know, therapy can't exist without kind of those boundaries. Mm, totally get that. I've definitely had therapists where I'm like, I wish we could be friends. I, yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll text my therapist memes. <laughs> I love that. I would be so annoyed if like a, a client did that for me, but like, I'm like, we've been together like eight years now. It's fine. Right. We've reached meme status. <laughs> status. Yeah. It's a big deal. It's official. <laughs> I love that. Is it true that as a therapist, you're not supposed to acknowledge your clients in public? Yeah. Talk to me about that. I totally. And I, you know, San Francisco is a small place, yes. you know, mm-hmm. when we used to leave our apartments, but I, I run into clients all the time and I have to pretend like I don't know them. And I've actually had friends introduce me to client, to a client, you know, to clients where I have to be like, Oh, it's so nice to meet you. Wow. Kind of, you know, play play that thing. But you know, that's, that's to protect that boundary. That's to kind of protect the privacy. Right. You know, some, some clients don't mind. They're like, Hey, this is my therapist. Meet so-and-so, <laughs> you know, and that's fine. As long as they're okay with it. As right? long as they're initiating. Amazing. Wow. I've definitely seen my therapist out and about and they've definitely, you have? yeah. And they've ignored, well, San, like you said, San Francisco is so small. I remember this one moment where, um, I was like, I, after, a session. I was like outside the therapist's office smoking a cigarette. Cause I smoked all the fucking time. And, um, you know, of course also like processing all those feelings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like outside and I'm like, so ashamed that I was a smoker. Oh my God. I like tried to hide it from everyone, which was impossible, including, your therapist? including my therapist, but I'm like literally sitting outside the office. I don't know what I was thinking. So I was like trying to hide it and like, it was dark. So I'm like, Oh, hopefully she won't say this is just like a little entryway into my brain of how much I'm like hiding from the world. So I'm like smoking a cigarette and then she walks out and I'm like, so I'm like, so startled and like, don't know how to react. And like, I'm like trying to throw my cigarette out. Like it's not mine. And then also say hi. And she literally just like looks right past me. And I'm like, Oh my God, I want to die. And then I was like, was she mad that I'm a smoker? Cause we never talked about smoking in our sessions ever. And now this explains everything. I'm like, she was just doing her job of being a good, she's just ignoring me. <laughs> Did you talk about it later? No, we never talked about it. Oh. <laughs> no, I was like way too scared. <laughs> Did you, did you wish she would have said something to you or? I don't know. 
Maybe she knew that I couldn't handle it. Maybe she was like holding my hand at the time. Mm. Mm-hmm. I could totally see that. No. Anyway. Okay. So you're walking around the world pretending like you don't know anyone. That's got to be <laughs> really fucking hard. <laughs> oh, by the way, and I don't know if we mentioned this, but you and I know each other through improv. We yes. We do improv classes together and years ago. <laughs> and that's, it's, you know, I've seen people in improv too. Wow. Wow. That's not, not in our classes, but you know, like in the whole like bigger community. Yeah. 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 Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Small world, small city. Totally. Small city. Oh, I love that. Um, okay. So you specialize in first generation clients. I am so curious to hear what are their needs and like, how do you kind of tailor sessions for them? Yeah. I mean, you know, I really enjoy working with first generation, you know, it's my people, it's me, Mm. but I think it's, it's kind of an interesting space to be in because in some ways, like, um, immigrant families, like all of the consciousness around the trauma and the acculturation stuff and the immigration stories. It's like, in some ways, the parent generation is sort of just like about survival, you know, Mm. like trying to make it work, trying to figure it out. And then first generation, you're kind of holding all of this trauma in a way. There's sort of this um, way that it's kind of passed down onto you. And then you're also Mm. holding what it's like to navigate, right? Like being um, an immigrant and like your your culture, but also like being American Mm. and what that is and, you know, potentially racism and all of these kind of dynamics of like maybe even being ashamed, you know, that's Mm. pretty normal um, process of, of being first generation is like maybe trying to like distance yourself, but then maybe coming back to it and embracing it in a way. So it's all kind of very like complicated and beautiful and interesting to work with. And it's like, you know, I, such a mirror for myself. Oh, I love that. Oh, wow. So, I'm curious, like, what has been your story of being first generation? Yeah, well, I grew up in um, Orange County, which actually has a very big Vietnamese population. But for some reason, you know, my family wanted me to go to a good school and that like equated to uh, white and like very rich. And there were certainly like, you know, Asians there, but it was very like, you know, just like very heteronormative, like. Christian, you know, and my family's Buddhist. And so like anything um, that how I identified was like, not, you know, the norm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember one time it was in elementary school, but it was like international food day and everyone's bringing like Swedish pancakes, you know, because like they're all white. (laughs) And my my mother made aprils. I remember the other kids being like, ew, this is so gross. I would not eat this. This It's delicious. They were delicious. Okay. <laughs> food is delicious. But it was a lot of that, you know, mm. being sort of ashamed and just mm. wanting to fit in, mm. you know? And so there's sort of a rejection of yourself in a way, an embarrassment, you know? And my parents speak um, English with some uh, accents, and it just feels, you know, you just feel ashamed. You feel different. All you want to do is kind of fit in. But I think when I, 
left Orange County. And that's, that's when I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> right? You know, I think we probably gravitate to this city for a reason. It's not perfect by any means, but like the values of this city is there in terms of embracing of diversity and um, knowing that there's, um, you know, richness in that. Yeah. But it's certainly a process and it's a big process of kind of shame and self-hatred in a way um, mm. to get to the other side of being able to kind of embrace it, you know, that's, not just embrace it, but, but love it. Yeah. That's fascinating. Wow. And then I'm curious, like for your identity, like, did you identify as Vietnamese? Did you identify as American? Was that something that you had to work through? Yeah, I, I guess, I mean, there's not really like hiding that I'm Asian, you know, so <laughs> I always thought it was a little confusing. Yeah, like uh, Vietnamese American, but really when I was little, I just wanted to be white. Mm, you can't, you know, yeah, you can't try to be white, but you just knew that that was the better thing to be white, Christian and rich. Wow. Orange you know, County. To Those are the values. Like super white like the other schools would make fun of it and call it like it was it was called villa park so they would call it vanilla park you know because that's like the <laughs> reputation it had it was like one of those uh kinds of schools super super white it's in the name wow <laughs> wow that's wild so how did you unlearn or where did you start to learn how to unlearn basically the self-hatred and the shame well i think it's just kind of like a a journey, right? Mm -hmm. Like an ongoing thing. So a, a value of mine has always been kind of like um, being involved in like volunteerism or, or some kind of um, giving in that kind of way. And I think like when I was um, in college, I uh, was part of like this like peer educator thing um, as part of the, the counseling center, the college counseling center. And I felt like that kind of opened my eyes up to like the importance of diversity, et cetera. And then really when I went to grad school, I think, and moved to San Francisco from Orange County, that's when, um, you know, learning kind of all these different theories, like, you know, um, uh, we had classes like um, diversity classes. I mean, it was such a core fundamental value of, you know, being a psychologist and, um, you could take classes like Asian American psychology and things like that. So that was really neat, you know? Wow. That's amazing. College. Huh, what a fun place. <laughs> Such a journey. Such a journey. <laughs> so you're in college, you're learning about all these things, which is so amazing. And it sounds like now you're um, sharing that knowledge with other first generation well, population. and it's so like topical right now, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like, uh, I mean, not that it's, it's, it's always been important, but I think it's really on people's minds right now because of, you know, Black Lives Matter movement and this election year. And so like clients are really kind of bringing it up to me about mm -hmm. kind of their dynamics, their, their relationship with themselves in terms, terms of their race and culture and how they relate white to white supremacy, et cetera. Amazing. So it's, wow. I love, I love having conversations like that. That's amazing. Talking about white supremacy and the patriarchy. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It's just, it's so prevalent. Um, I, yeah, it's pervasive and it's like this subconscious like script that's running on 
repeat at all times. Like it's never ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so like part of our consciousness right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see what happens before the end of the year. <laughs> How is this year going to end? <laughs> a couple of weeks. I can't believe the elections are so soon, you know? Yeah. It's, it's wild. Yes. Um, okay. So I'm also curious, you specialize, um, in working with clients, um, in the LGBTQ plus, um, population and those lacking with a sense of belonging. I like really loved, I saw that on your website and I just loved that you like specifically call that out. Um, so I'm curious, like, what are you finding are the specific needs of those clients? Well, you know, I think because, you know, I think all of us can feel like we don't belong sometimes. And, you know, I shared a little bit about, what that has meant for me, but, you know, to be able to be in a space to get to a point where it's like, I'm just okay as I am. And, you know, I've had clients come out to me, you know, (sighs) like maybe I'm like the first person they've told that they're trans or um, that they're, you know, gay or queer or non-binary. And it's just such a powerful experience. It's such a privilege, really, you know, honestly, like, of course, I'm going to think I'm a pretty decent therapist, but sometimes it just feels like so lucky to just mm. be in the right place at the right time and to be someone who's like relatively nice to be able to be gifted, you know, mm. this like story or this experience. I feel really lucky to be able to to do that. That's so cool. And what a great therapist to talk to about it. I love that. <laughs> That's amazing. And like, I guess your therapist kind of should be the first person you talked to about that, right? No? I would hope that someone is in therapy while they're figuring that out. So they have someone to just kind of catch them. Well, but you know, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, Hopefully. Hopefully also in this area, most therapists are equipped and Um. are, you know, are, are, are validating, um, Uh not just validating, but like celebratory, you know? Yes. Fuck. Yeah. Oh my God. For sure. Such a brave thing. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well, again, it's kind of what you're talking about of like projecting. We're all kind of projecting our own biases and judgments on other people and limitations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which is why it's important that therapists um, engage in their own therapy. Not that they have to be in therapy forever, forever and ever, but like, mm-hmm. if you don't know what, what's your stuff, then your stuff gets muddled with your client stuff and mm. you can't tell what's what, you know, mm. how do you separate it when that happens? I mean, I guess you're talking about like going to see a therapist, but I'm curious if it happens in other ways. Well, I mean, of course it does. Like we're human. Right. And I think especially right now, we're all going through this global pandemic, you know, like when the air is, was really bad, it was like bad for all of us. So when yeah. clients are like, Oh, it's just felt so lonely or it's just felt so like, hard to not get to be in nature at all. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you can't separate the humanity in it. Cause you're, you're human too. And that's, yeah. that's kind of the, the thing, like, yeah, I have expertise. I have all this training, but at the end of the day, it's like, I'm another human, you know, yeah. and that's, what's so beautiful. That's what makes it work is, is like, we have a real human relationship. People are paying me for my time, but they're not you know, they can't force, right. We can't force what's going to come out in terms of relationship or me really caring about this person that just kind of develops and yeah. unfolds. That's so beautiful. I love that. 
Wow. So is there everybody in a moment when you're like, you're talking to a client and you're like, fuck, I have to deal. I have to like work on that too. All the time. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. (laughs) I had a client say to me, she's like, well, I guess the good thing that is I got really into TikTok and I'm like, oh my gosh, me too. (laughs) Or sometimes a client will say things like, Oh yeah, I ate that ate at this like really cool restaurant. I was like, what is the name of the restaurant? I really need to know in order for your treatment. I am writing that down. Yeah. <laughs> you can't help if you would just be a person, you know? Oh my God. So funny. I love that. Oh my God. How does that affect your dating life? That must have like the kind of opposite effect on your dating life. I'm so curious. You know, I think when I was like first online dating, I was like, oh my gosh, like, what if I run into a client, you know? But then I just assumed that I will run into a client. Mm. And I'm glad that people know that I'm a human who's also like dating and who's also like out there. Yeah. But I've definitely been in some interesting situations where it's like, yeah, uh, you know, where someone I've dated has shown up to treatment or, you know, it's Ooh, just, yeah, hello. you're not like my direct person, but you know, it gets, it gets a little cloudy. You just got to kind of navigate it with grace a little and, uh, <laughs> and figure yeah. it out. But yeah, it, it gets sticky. Gets sticky. Does anyone ever, like when you date people, are they ever like, oh, I need treatment. <laughs> I need some free treatment on this date. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm going to invoice you because I just gave you free therapy honey, you are not like polyamorous because you want to explore open relationships. You're really hurt because your parents like cheated on each other and you never dealt with that. You know, like oh I definitely God. had just like these uh, dates where I'm like, oh my gosh, I was just telling a friend this. I had a date once where someone showed up and he was like, I don't believe in psychology. I'm like, what do you mean? You don't believe okay. in my field. Like it's not like Santa Claus. It's not like, you know, <laughs> it's a field. <laughs> He's just like, I don't, I don't believe it. And I'm like, why, why would you ever think this is gonna, going to be a thing? It's going to work. There's, you don't that is my some, profession. That's some psychology right there. Very interesting. But I and you guys are still you, dating. <laughs> huh? So now you guys are still dating. <laughs> yeah. We're in love. Madly in love. Yeah. It's obviously <laughs> going to work. It, it worked out. You know, opposites attract. Yeah. That's what I've heard. And that's the definition of opposites. <laughs> but likes stay together. Ah, there we go. <laughs> oh my God. Um, okay. So that leads perfectly into being a dating coach. Tell us about being a dating coach. I love dating coaching. Coaching is a little bit different than psychotherapy because, you know, with coaching, you can kind of have a more defined goal. Like, you know, I want to get better at dating. I'm really nervous about it. So I want to get more comfortable or I would like to, you know, seek partnership or whatever. And we can kind of like work on that in a, in a, in a pretty kind of more condensed period of time. And it's a little looser than, Mm. than therapy is. So it's, it's, it's super fun. And I, I think I got connected to it. Well, it was already like happening. So I think in some ways dating is like um, the last frontier that happens. Mm. It's like people start to feel better and more really what, why I like dating is it's really about your relationship with yourself Mm. and 
your ability to communicate and set boundaries and know what those things are. And that's when people are really ready to date and, and like get connected to healthier relationships, you know? So it kind of was already happening. Like people would start feeling better and like already deal with the things they wanted to deal with. And then they would say, Oh, I'm kind of scared, but I might want to seek partnership. And so it was like, happening I remember saying to a client I was like do you want me to take a photo of you the lighting is really great and he was like I'm not trying to go for like I'm in my therapist's office vibes you know okay yeah good point good point you're like I am full service (laughs) (laughs) let's work on your bio we got your photo let's do it all yeah exactly you want me to swipe I'll swipe for you It's, it's super fun. Oh my god! So I like kind of like getting in the trenches with people and like doing that. So it kind of organically started coming out in my work anyway. Uh, and oh so god. I was like, Hmm, this might be a fun thing to pursue is it's, it's kind of opposite. You know, it's like, it's not opposite. It's like the, the, the end where someone is so connected with themselves that they're ready to look for a healthy partnership. Oh. Or just date for fun and feel empowered in that, you know? Yeah, and then so, get more connected to themselves. It's so fun. That is so fun. What's been like the most common tip or like practice that you've worked with clients on for dating? Well, I started dating coaching during the pandemic. So the the one thing that I think is super helpful is for folks who are kind of afraid to delve into online dating or to delve into dating at all, then in some ways it's like lower stakes than ever because yeah. you can do it from home. You don't have to invest so much, you mm-hmm. know, and you can kind of vet people in a way. So if you mm-hmm. really chunk it and break it down and just say like, I can have a phone call with someone, I can have, you know, a video meeting with someone, then it feels a little bit more um, doable, especially for folks who are, who are kind of jumping in for the first time. So cool. Do you think video dates are like going to stick around? Oh, I think so. No. I think that, you know, um, I used to do like the date zero or talk to people about date zero and date zero is sort of like, it's not a first date, you know, because like a first date feels like, like we've already known each other mm. when you're online dating. It's like, you haven't really met yet. So you want to do kind of more like um, a, a chill, like 40 minute coffee and be like, am, are you someone that, that I want to see again? you know, and kind of like vet them in that way and have it not be so high pressure the first time we meet and we haven't even like seen each other in person yet that we're going to have like a full movie and dinner thing. Like that's too much, you know what I mean? And so I think now the, like the video date is going to replace date zero in some ways. I love that. That's very exciting. Such low stakes. Yeah. No, like you don't even have to work out who's going to pay for anything. Exactly. And you can be creative and be like, oh, let's have a you know cup of tea together or a cocktail or whatever. But I've been surprised. I've, I've been on a couple of video dates and it's like, can you just move the pile of whatever over a little bit? Like you can curate your background just a little bit. You know, like you have a cute little background. You've got your color scheme, you know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Clean your shit up, you guys. <laughs> If you're going to go on a fucking video date, which is like zero, zero effort, put a tiny little bit of effort into it. Move it over. Move it, move it over. Give yeah. me a good background. Get Come some on. good lighting. Oh my God. 
people don't think about that. You're like well, talking to a shadow. It's like, that's not a good vibe. Like turn on a light, like turn a light on. Oh my God. But can we talk about how I went on a few dates with, with a friend of yours? Oh my God. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Is this true? Cause what he said to me, he was like, you know, I ran it by Sarah and she said, Oh, you should definitely go out with Anne. She's really good at improv. <laughs> and I was like, wow, is that the criteria for like a, a, a nice date or <laughs> could be true. Could not be true. <laughs> I believe what I believe I said is she's really funny and that like laughter, comedy, yeah. giggles. That's the key to my heart. And oh, that is yeah. like the number one thing that I'm looking for ever and have found now, obviously with my husband, but, husband. but like what I believe I said is she's really funny. So I highly recommend going on a date with her and it might've come out as in she's good at improv. Yes. And the shit out of you. And he'll be like, yeah. Um, but I will say that I don't necessarily think that making you good at improv makes you good at dating. So there's a little trivia for you. (laughs) So why do you say that? Um, I just don't think it's correlated at all. Like if you're good at improv, then you're good at dating. So (laughs) it might make you a good, like BS or you're probably not going to be like super anxious or uncomfortable because you can roll with the punches. Yes. But that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be a great date. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love that you remember that, um, that story. That's so funny. Oh, I thought it was just so funny. I was like, Thanks for the vote of confidence. You're welcome, man. I, I got you, girl. I'm very flattered by that. Oh my God. Good. <laughs> yeah, you're funny. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I love that. Nat, um, that friend is now married with a baby on the way. Aw, that's Aww. so exciting. Yeah. He was a good dude. I mean, he's he is a good, a good dude. dude. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. Yeah. For sure. I agree. Um, okay, so. What advice do you have for someone that is dating? And then flip side, what advice do you have for someone that's in a relationship? Oh, I'm sorry. So you do dating coaching, but do you do like relationship coaching? Like, do you do like the next next? I do sometimes. Yeah. Wow. Because that's, that must just be like reverting back to the original of like, now I really need to find myself. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself in this moment. (laughs) Oh, say more. (laughs) Let me tell you guys about marriage. (laughs) But yeah, it it, it all is. It all is. That's what, you know, all of this is kind of a mirror of ourselves, right? Who we connect to or who we, you know, draw to us is sort of a mirror of what's going on for us in some kind of way. I'm not saying they're the exact same person, Um, but you know, my, my therapist used to say that to me. He's like, well, you are who you date. And I'm like, okay, you know, this guy's an (laughs) asshole. Can you not? (laughs) But there is something about it that I'm inviting this in or attracted to in some kind of way. So I think that is true. It's all kind of a self-discovery, you know? Yeah, for sure. Advice for dating. Do you mean, especially during a pandemic? Yeah. Circumstances of pandemic. Yeah, sure. That's where we're at. You know, no end in sight. It's interesting of what's happening now in that we really have to have conversations about what our comfort level is um, around how close to get, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. if you have kind of screened someone and you are like, okay, let's have an in-person date. Are you comfortable um, like sitting at an outdoor restaurant or we do you prefer a walk with masks on six feet apart? I mean, 
there's all these conversations that you have to have. And it's sort of like, also like who's in your bubble? When's your last, you know, you don't have to, you're not just asking about STDs anymore. You're also like, Hey, are did you, when's your last COVID test? So mm. it's all these interesting um, communications that you're having to have about your comfort level, which, you know, I think is unique to this time, but also I think bodes well, if you can mm. communicate well and be kind of on the same page or negotiate differences around how you feel about COVID then um, and like safety precautions around that, like that's only going to, you know, translate to being able to communicate about other important things in a potential relationship. Right. So I guess the advice is like really communicate about your comfort level around these things and express kind of your needs or preferences around it. Love that. For a relationship. Gosh, we're all on top of each other right now. It's hard. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the relationship piece, I think that's happening is like, because we're together, we are just like, it's, it's a gift in a way, right? We have a gift of time of being together. And yet we might not actually necessarily be like, be having quality time together. You know, we Mm -hmm. might be in the same room, but we might not actually be engaging in like, really putting down our devices and really checking in or really like doing something you know, fun or, you know, having dinner together in a way that's really connected. So the advice I've been giving couples is to kind of like set aside date nights, Mm. you know, even if it's just like a walk outside somewhere and a picnic, like kind of to still have that um, containment where it's like, yes, we've been seeing each other all day, but like, let's see each other in a different way where we're really kind of being attuned to each other. Yeah, I love that. That's so smart. I don't, I'm just like, Godspeed, good luck to the parents. I don't know how people are doing that. (laughs) (laughs) You're on your own. (laughs) Well, I'm having a lot of conversations about that. It's hard. Everything is hard right now. You know, that's why I say clients. I'm like, if it's feeling hard right now, it's because it is. Things are hard right now. Things are hard. So much is happening. So much is happening. Like we all need to be easy on ourselves or more gentle. Totally. I love that. That's huge. I heard um, a statistic that China, obviously where the COVID outbreak first happened, um, um, they had a very high divorce rate after their lockdown ended. And now a lot of those couples have remarried. Oh, really? Yes. Which I find interesting, fascinating. So that is fascinating. I'm like, just take breath, just take one breath, (laughs) just have one sacred pause, just let it out. I love that sacred pause. (laughs) (laughs) Something a beautiful therapist told me very recently, and I was like, yeah, I like that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you, and I hope everyone follows that advice during these difficult times that we are in. It's just, it, yeah, it's crazy. I think what you said actually is the most important piece is like, let's all have a little bit more self-compassion for ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so much like, oh, well, I should be using this time to like learn how to like, I don't know, like basket weave underwater. (laughs) It's like, you don't have to, let's just, just, it's, it's okay. Just like be as you are. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, since we started, we, we started our conversation a little bit talking about weight. It's just so interesting. A lot of people I've 
talked to recently are like really self-conscious about the weight that they've gained over COVID. And I myself have lost a bunch of weight and then gained a bunch of weight during COVID. And it's like this, we're all like, to me, it's like, if we're all collectively gaining weight, like, let's just call it how it is. And just be cool with it. Like there's no need for all of us to just like keep giving, I don't know, being so hard on ourselves to like lose weight, get rid of it, get rid of it fast. It's like, no, dude, we're, we're, we're going through a difficult time and we're, we're maybe putting some padding on to like soften the blow. I don't know. Totally. I think there could be like a multitude of, of reasons, right? Obviously it's like, you know, comfort, um, we're home more. Um, but I also think our bodies are like, um, in a different zone some of the time because it's a pandemic, we're in more of a fight or flight mode, Mm. you know, we're in kind of like this, like different physiological state. And I think our body might be like, panic. Let me like, hold on to, to more stuff. Yeah. Literally. It's, it's just like, we're just, let's just, it's, it's going to be okay. Like, yeah, yeah, let's have some compassion. I think people think that because we have more time than that equals, they should have like an amazing exercise regimen get super buff, like get super like ripped. Yeah. Yeah. We're just so hard on ourselves. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So more compassion as women. Yes. Especially as women. I feel like I joke with some of my friends that like every, the beginning of every sentence, like, I'm so sorry for existing. If I could <laughs> crawl into a hole and die. I would, you know, like what is losing? Like, uh, there needs to be less of me, less of me, less of me. Uh, uh. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Why? why? Let's take up some more space. Literally, physically. Let's do it. Ah, yes. I love that. <laughs> so good. So good. Okay. So. You're a psychologist. You're doing all of the therapy all the time. And you're so fucking funny. I can, I know this for sure because <laughs> I've recommended you for a date. <laughs> um, so I'm so curious, how do you keep your sense of humor with this work? Oh, I think that is a great question. I there's There's no better feeling than when you are like, genuinely laughing, you know, with, mm-hmm. with a client. I, I don't know. I don't know if my clients think I'm funny or not, but sometimes, <laughs> you know, when we're having that moment, it's just like such a beautiful thing. And I think that's just like the humanity piece, that relationship piece that we were talking about, because, mm. you know, like I'm sure for you, whatever you do, you're going to bring yourself. And part yeah. of that is just humor, you know, not taking things too seriously and and being able to play a little bit. I think that is like so important, like playing, you know, and that's what humor is. That's what, what creativity is. It's just like allowing yourself to play in a way that like, maybe like your inner child, like maybe hasn't been able to, you know, Mm, it's like, let yourself have fun. I say that to clients sometimes your homework is to have fun. Oh my God. So good. Like do this for the child who didn't get these things in a way, this type of nurturance, this type of fun, this type of play. It's like so important. That is so important. And do they do it? Or are they like (laughs) struggling people? Sometimes they like edit themselves, you know? Um, But you know, that's what we work towards. I'm so inspired right now that my dad is actually, he's retired and he's been like painting for the first time in his life. And he's making these 
like these beautiful paintings. Sorry, I have to show you. Oh my God. My dad had this art in him all the time. It's not like this art didn't exist, you know? He finally made it to retirement to to bring it out. Did he know, like, had he been doing it while you were growing up? Never. (gasps) Oh my God. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. For anyone that's listening, it is just like, I don't even know how to describe that. Like a watercolor? It's like a geode or yeah, something, right? It's like a, a geode. He's using acrylics and. Wow. Wow. But that very cool. Me think a lot about um, just like it's in us and yeah. it doesn't matter if it's dormant for like 10 years or 20 years or, you know, 70 years for my dad, but uh. As long as we get to play at some point, you know, better, better now than when you're 70, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, that's getting me excited to see like what comes out of me when I'm 70. Like, (laughs) I know, right. I will be a professional ice skater. (laughs) I'm just calling it right now. (laughs) I not wait. (laughs) I like. (laughs) It's going to be so fun. It's going to be the best. Oh my gosh. Okay. So then the flip side of that question is how, at the end of the day, like, do you have any, um, practices, embodiment techniques or anything like that to kind of really de-stress from like your clients or like your kind of your, I don't know, your, your energy field. Mm Um, I like what you were saying before the sacred pause, right? Like I, I think like, all day long, I teach about mindfulness and meditation, and that doesn't necessarily mean I'm so good at translating it, but mm. I, but I try, you know, just to like bring a couple of breaths. And I think just like, um, you know, we were talking about play, just playing, you know, like being outside. Sometimes I'll just go out for like a little loop in between clients, just like a little block, just to like kind of reset a little oh, bit, nice. you know, seeing friends. Yeah. You know, like whether it's through Zoom or through, you know, uh, outside, just yeah. all those things that I think ground all of us, you know, helps to ground me. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Take a walk around the block. Reset. You know, it's weird because right now we don't have commutes. Yeah. And I think commutes kind of allowed us to have a boundary in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now we're inviting all of these different things into our homes and there's not so much of a boundary as much. And so sometimes I'll do like a fake walk to be like, Oh, this is the boundary. This is different. And if I'm taking like, um, you know, if I'm doing zoom in uh, like a fun way, instead I'll try to like set it up in a different place in my apartment or set Love the lighting that. in a different way, just to kind of like play with the boundaries a little bit, create that space a little bit. That is so smart. I love that. And I hadn't, I hadn't thought about how our commute, I mean, for me, I did know that my commute is like my decompression time. Mm. And like, if I had to commute home, not had to, but like, if, <laughs> if I was commuting home randomly with someone else, I needed 30 minutes after I got home to still decompress. Like I needed that time to just set aside like the emotions and all of the things from that day. Yeah, And that's just totally gone. Which is great. Don't get me wrong. I'm loving it. But yeah. it's like our bodies need kind of like some sort of ritual, ritual motion, something. I like that word, ritual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's wild. Every day at five o'clock, I walk my dog. My dog, my beautiful Frida, 
um, eats dinner every single day, right at five o'clock. And she reminds me that it's dinner time. Um, I know she's very punctual, Is she punctual? <laughs> very punctual. Um, she's food obsessed. So that's really what's driving this. But at five o'clock I get the, like the chin on the leg, like it is time for dinner. And then, um, we go for an hour walk and it's just like the best. It's an my hour? favorite part I of my day. That. Yeah. It's so fun. And now like the, you know, the leaves are changing and the light is changing and it's just this, like, I'm, yeah, I love it. It's my favorite part. This of is a very like transitional time, yeah. you know? Yes. So it's interesting to pay attention to that. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Especially with the election. I hope it's going to be a transitional time. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Big transitions. Cause that's what we need. It is 2020. Seriously. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Anne, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us? This has been so fun. This is so fun. I just want to thank you for having me. It's been so fun to reconnect. And I love your podcast. I love what you're doing. Thank you for doing this and creating this space of like wellness and fun. I love your little stories that you share. It's awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been a blast talking with you. Um, I'm curious if you can share your information, if client or if people, listeners want to find you, how can they find you? Yeah. So you can go to my website. It's drantran.com. Um, A-N-N, no E. Um, and then you could also find my Instagram. Sometimes when I'm like stressed out, I'll try to post silly things. She's, she's gone. It's a good feed. Highly recommend. <laughs> um, and you could just, uh, same email at gmail.com, drantran at gmail.com. If you want to reach out. And um, what's your Instagram handle? Can you repeat it? Oh, Dr. Antran. Oh my God. It's all, it's you're all... so, you're so smart. <laughs> Keep it so simple. I don't know why mine's so complicated. <laughs> Are yours like kind of different? Yeah. I'm like, go visit my website, sarahcohan.com. Listen to my podcast, lit AF. And then I'm like, my Instagram is Sarah shines on all underscores. And I'm like, oh my God. And then it's Sarah with an H. It's very complicated. It's not that complicated. But it's worth it. It's worth it. (laughs) Amazing. Ah, Well, thank you so much, Anne. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review. Hit subscribe to keep up with new episodes and pass it along to a friend. Thanks again for joining. I hope you'll come back for more. In the meantime, check out sarahcohan.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N dot com.